ball is high. It is far. It is gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Nosebleeds, WFUV's Major League Baseball podcast. I'm Will Talent, and I'm joined by Caleb Stein and Annabelle Watson for this episode. Guys, lots to talk about with the Yankees and the Mets, specifically the Yankees banged up with injuries. The Mets recently swept by the Blue Jays and have now just lost two of three to their arch rival Atlanta Braves. Also, lots of noise coming from out west, both in the American League in and in the National League. But before we get into our show today, how are you guys doing? I'm doing good. It's my first time on the show, actually. First time on Nosebleeds. Wow. Uh, and baseball, I will say, is probably my, my first love when it comes to sports. So I'm super excited to be on. Um, you know, Yankees kind of bit by the injury bug and the Mets are definitely, definitely not in a great place right now, but super excited to talk about it and, you know, kind of really dig into that. Second time on the show, feeling pretty good. It's interesting because we, I feel like we're kind of at a turning point for the, for the two New York baseball teams. So it'll be interesting to see the sort of takes you guys have and kind of road mapping the Yankees and the Mets. And just seeing where they're going to go from here, because it really is, I think, pretty unpredictable. So an Annabelle Watson debut on Nosebleeds, that's news to me. That's awesome. Caleb, I know you've been on it on Nosebleeds at least once or twice. Like you said, twice, right? So um, this is number two. Yeah, there it is. So big series for the Yankees last weekend. This week, the series has been kind of delayed because of poor air quality and then another big series this upcoming weekend but I want to start with that Dodgers series they go out to LA they take two of three with a pretty banged up lineup and they do it in very very good fashion on the national stage playing on Fox on Saturday and then Sunday night baseball on Sunday on ESPN let's start with Giancarlo Stanton before we get into the really big news with the Yankees over the last a few days or so he comes back and hits a home run in his first game and since he's returned he's looked pretty pretty all right you know he's only had like I don't know 11 at bats but he's hit the ball pretty well he's easing into things a little bit and still no outfield for him but overall I'll start with you Caleb general reactions on how John Carlos Stanton has looked in, in three games so far I think right I, I think fine I think with players coming back a good way to sort of map how they're going to be when they first start is to add like 0.25 to the batting average. And if, you know, you're in the mid 200s already, mid to high 200s really with, with 271 and 273 against the, against the Dodgers, you're doing just fine. Giancarlo knows what he's doing. I, I don't have any reason to worry about from the, from the, Perspective of being a Yankees fan and, and being worried or, or not worried, which you should be, with John Carlos Dan. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I think the thing about John Carlo 
no matter what, when he first comes back, his presence is kind of a weapon in in itself. Um, you know, pitchers are scared to throw to him, and he really does bolster the lineup and kind of make it a little bit scarier when you have him with Judge and Rizzo, um, these big bats. Um, you know, Stan is always a player that kind of frustrates me. I think his swing and miss style it, it can really infuriate me, um, and I hope that he is not really on that trend um, in these next few games as he really kind of builds builds his resume from this comeback. But, you know, I think he looked pretty good, and it's Giancarlo. You know, I, I have confidence in him, and hopefully with Judge um, heading to the IL, which I'm sure we'll get into later, he can kind of help helps the team out and um you know fill fill those big shoes yeah you took the words right out of my mouth annabelle that presence that he brings to the lineup is gonna be even more so with judge going on the il and yes we will get into that right in a little bit we still have some a couple more things i want to address from this dodger series just a great series and let's go right to garrett cole another exceptional start on the mound, I believe he's undefeated. I don't have his win loss, and and I know win loss doesn't really matter, but I believe he is seven and zero. And on Saturday, six innings pitched, four runs, one hit, two walks, and five strikeouts. He lowers his season ERA to two a two. And guys, he has really, really looked like that ace that we've seen over the last few years. Obviously, that's who the Yankees have signed. That's what they signed up for. But this year in particular, he's really looked sharp on the mound. He's he's really been great, yeah. and yeah, it is uh, it is seven and zero, and the lowest so far the lowest ERA he's ever had with the Yankees, and which is I think somewhat surprising because he he's he's done so well in in seasons past. He's looked great. He really is the Yankees ace. I would say definitely top three pitchers in the American League easily. He's doing great. Yeah, I mean he looks so awesome, and I think as a Yankees fan. To just have that guy go out there and know he's going to give you a solid seven, six, seven innings is really awesome. Um, and I think it's something we haven't had for a few years. Um, and he did get taken out of this Dodgers game because of cramps, I believe, um, which I would have liked to see him go a little bit longer. But, you know, he he had to do what he had to do and, you know, prevent any further injury, which we really don't want to see right now on the Yankees more injuries. Um, but, you know, I I don't know if he is – I believe he's going to pitch in this upcoming Red Sox series. So I'm definitely going to be very interested to see how he performs against the Red Sox because, you know, this is another thing we'll get into, but Devers usually hits him pretty, pretty hard. So um, I'm going to be interested to see how he performs in this upcoming series. But right now he's looking like a top three pitcher in baseball, as Caleb said. Yeah. Rafael Devers, definitely a name I want to get into when we talk about the next uh, big series coming up for the Yankees, Yankees, Red Sox this weekend. But one more pitcher that I want to highlight from this Dodgers series for the Yankees. Now we have Nestor Cortez going on the I.L., Shoulder strain, probably won't see him for a month. You can check out the injury report with myself, Brian Raybacks, and Lou Orlando on WFUV Sports' YouTube. We broke that injury down. But one guy that has particularly stepped up in my eyes, and that's Domingo Herman. Six and two-thirds on Sunday, 
just allowing one run on four hits, one walk, and six strikeouts. With the ex- exception of his start against Seattle, he's only allowed two or fewer runs in five of his last six starts, and he's only given up two home runs in those five starts. So definitely a guy, and, and, uh, coupled with Clark Schmidt as well, two guys that had a lot of buzz around them at the beginning of the year. Who is going to be that fifth starter in place of Frankie Montas? Who actually, before then, who was going to be off this roster and more of like a long relief guy? And that didn't end up being the case. They ended up both being in the rotation. And they weren't really uh, quite the fan favorites to start. But since the more and more arms have gone down for the Yankees, both of these guys have really stepped up in big ways. Clark Schmidt, too, uh, on Tuesday against the White Sox, uh, the Yankees lost. We'll talk about that game in a second. But he looked really well, and he's looked pretty good in his last four starts. And as I said, Domingo Herman, in his last five or six starts, he's really ate some innings and done a lot more than just eating innings. He's shoved out there on the mound for the Yanks. I think if you get six strikeouts against the Los Angeles Dodgers in 2023, that speaks volumes with their offensive lineup that the Dodgers have. And that's huge. And if that's your if that's your fourth, fifth guy with certain injuries at play for the Yankees, I think you're in a pretty good spot. Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen Domingo kind of make this comeback very quiet. You know, he used to be posting things on Instagram and, you know, saying wild things to the media, but he's kind of been quiet and just been really good quietly. He threw 99 pitches in that start against the Dodgers. And I think the big thing to emphasize here is, you know, if they lose the series and, and lose that rubber match, the whole mood kind of shifts towards the Yankees right now. But because he had that fabulous start, and they were able to get the win. I think right now, you know, the state of the Yankees is pretty good. Um, and his only mistake was a homer to J.D. Martinez. I think that's very impressive, as Caleb said, against this Dodgers lineup. And, you know, he's just becoming essential with the injuries to Nestor and Carlos Rondon. And, you know, J.D. Martinez, too, a guy that has seen Domingo Herman a lot over the last few years, you know, with his time with the Red Sox, a true Yankee killer when he was over there, kind of like Mookie Betts, as you know, Caleb, they both put the numbers in against the Yankees during their times in Boston. But now, guys, before we hop into this White Sox series, the big the big headline, Aaron Judge, toe sprain, not great, obviously, not good at all. He crashes into a wall making a phenomenal play. The consensus or the rumor was, oh, is it broken? Is it this? In my opinion, if it was broken, he would not have finished that game. But now we're looking at maybe two to three weeks minimum for Aaron Judge to be sidelined for the Yankees. How big of a blow? Obviously, it's huge. But what is this like for for this Yankees lineup to be missing their, their MVP? I say on a scale of one to ten, ten being pretty much season ending, zero being fine. I'd say six and a half. I think it's it's a moderate blow, and it, of course, is obviously totally dependent on who steps up, right? If you're going to get your Rizzo's, your Donaldsons, Giancarlo, now that he's back, if they step up, that's a four and a half or a five. 
right? If they do probably what they're statistically projected to do, I think that's a six. So I think as a Yankees fan, slightly moderately concerned, but I think also room for a decent amount of, of sort of mediocre minor slip up in, in what it could be. If you, if you have guys that, that do it, do it, they could, maybe not what they should, but really what they, what they have potential to do. Yeah. I mean, I echo Caleb's thoughts. I think that it is a moderate blow. I think you could really see the lack of offense without him in that White Sox game on Tuesday. Um, And, you know, I think we have to hope he only needs the minimum 10 days. You know, you've seen guys like Luke Voigt play on toes that were, bro, I don't know. He had some kind of foot injury the year he was the home run champion. So you can see guys play, play on toes that are broken or kind of hurt. But, you know, obviously with him being the MVP and the captain, I do want him to, you know, fully rehab and make sure it's okay so he can play to his full potential. Um, but I think that, you know, it's his second second stint on the IL this season. So, you know, it's always been known that he can be a little bit injury prone, but it does suck to see him go down again. But hopefully, like Caleb said, we can see these guys like Rizzo, Donaldson, and Stan step up. I think if they do that, then, you know, I'll feel I'll feel a lot more optimistic about this IL stint. Um, and another funny thing I did see was that um his injury led to updates at Dodger Stadium of that fence that he ran into. Now they have it all like padded up. So kind of funny, but um hopefully these guys can step up and and fill the shoes of Judge, which which are big shoes to fill. Yeah, that was a large man running into that fence. That fence wasn't secure at all. Obviously, he he ran right into what was the door the entrance exit for uh, visiting relief pitchers at Dodger stadium. They had to put that band around it and tape it up. Just not good. But I like where you're at. Caleb calling it a six, five, a six and a half. I would go a little less than that for me, just because of where they're at in terms of scheduling. They have a relatively easier June than they did May. So it's never a great time for your best player to go down. But it's not the worst time. So the Yankees really, they got to just steady the steady the ship. They got to weather the storm without judge. And I think it's very attainable given the schedule that they have this month. But, you know, you hope that that absence doesn't extend further than what it has to be because this month will eventually end and the schedule will eventually get harder again. So, you know, all you can do is hope that Aaron Judge comes back in a timely manner and they get going again and they can stay consistent where they're at because they're they're eight games back of the race right now who have been hot once again but still 10 games over 500 they're in a good spot they're third in the wild card a lot of baseball left to be played about uh, i think it's 100 games for most teams 101 which is crazy we're already 62 games in that's unbelievable but the white Sox game obviously yesterday postponed due to poor air quality from the Alberta, Canada wildfires, prayers to everyone in those areas that uh, need to be evacuated and hopefully they can return home soon and safely. But for the baseball world, the Philadelphia Phillies and Detroit Tigers and Yankees and Chicago White Sox games were postponed on Wednesday due to poor air quality is almost like orange outside for the most part. That was, it was pretty crazy, but 
on Tuesday. They played through it. It wasn't great by any means. And the Yankees, they, man, they looked, they made Lucas Giolito look like a Cy Young. Made him look like he was back in 2020 form when he threw his no-hitter. He uh, he went six innings, no hits, no runs, had 100 pitches. That's why he didn't go any further. Yankees didn't get a hit until the seventh inning, and that was off of a IKF double. So we, I think we got to circle back to Aaron Judge being absent there, like you were mentioning, Annabelle. First game back home that he's absent, and they they drop a dud. Yeah, I mean, just not great. Like you said, Giolito, he was no-hitting them through six. Um, and then IKF was the guy to kind of break up that no-hitter, which, you know, who would have ever thought that? Which it's just kind of funny that IKF is performing at this level. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's month. just... I think Yankee fans have been down on him for so long, and it's great to see him finally step up. But, you know, like I said, I think even with the presence of Judge gone, you know, obviously he's still in the dugout, but with him out of that lineup, you know, I think him being the captain, it can kind of kind of create this, this lack of offense. Um, and, you know, like I've been saying, you really hope to see those, those guys step up you know, hopefully with this day off yesterday, an unexpected day off, they can kind of hit a little bit of a reset button and, you know, get it into their heads that they have to step up without judge. Um, but hopefully we can see that in this double header coming up. Um, but yeah, this was not great. The lack of offense. I think the day off is going to be huge because at the end of the day, the day off is essentially reset number two. Aaron Judge being put on the eye out, that's reset number one. And then the day off is reset number two. So you're kind of adjusting to adjusting. And the more adjusting right now that the Yankees can do, given given their offensive personnel struggles, and in this particular game, their offensive performance struggles, I think the more adjustments, the, 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 the biggest break that they can have right now, the bigger the break, the bigger the gaps, I think is is the best way to improve right now. And I think because they're having to make so many adjustments all at once, they'll eventually be just fine. They got Lance Lynn and Mike Clevenger in the same day, two guys that have not looked like their former selves, especially Lance Lynn this year, my Lord. But that's something the Yankees need to capitalize on. And as you guys are hitting on, the day off, they need. They needed that. They really needed that. I like the double reset that you put out there, Caleb. Uh, they need. That's what they need to do. They needed to reset. They um, they're facing Lance Lynn. Like I said, he hasn't been that great this year. So definitely a an arm that used to be great that you can now take advantage of, and you got to run with that. So it's not like Lance Lynn doesn't have great stuff. He still has some great stuff. He just doesn't have it all this year. So capitalize on a good arm like that. And bring it in to tomorrow, which is where we are going to wrap up our Yankees talk. Yankees-Red Sox meeting for the first time this year. Cole should slate it. You know, I don't know what the status is given. Uh, I don't think anything should have changed with the uh, off day yesterday. But Cole on opening night for Friday. Masataka Yoshida's first time in Yankee Stadium. He has looked great this year. Rafael Devers, too. Coming back to the Bronx. I want to start with you, Caleb. 
What are your initial thoughts going into this series? I think I'm cautiously optimistic. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes two, two and one either way. I think I don't think it'll be a sweep. I think, I mean, of course, as a Red Sox fan, I I, I would like to think that a you know a a, a series win for for Boston's possible, um, and it definitely is. But I think the the Red Sox are 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 they're 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 in this really weird spot where I think they're playing really 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 decently i think offensively but the problem ironically has been defense not even really pitching pitching's been fine i think from i think it's met expectations and i think after that total you know total air fest that was um against the rays whatever it was monday or tuesday that you know made all the highlight reels and and embarrassingly it was all over Twitter. I think the Red Sox have kind of been slapped in the face with embarrassment and that's been their reset. And you get obviously a series, the first series of the season against your biggest rivals, even though it is a way, I think it'll kind of amp the Red Sox up to, to really perform. I think Devers will be huge. And I think Yoshida really will step up. Yeah. I think with the Yankees and the Red Sox, because of that, storied rivalry no matter where they are in the standings no matter what point in the season it is anything can happen um but I think I have to echo Caleb's thoughts I think a two-in-one series record is probably what's going to happen um I don't really see a sweep either way um Yoshida has been absolutely fabulous he's been red hot uh 319 batting average, seven home runs, 33 ribbies. Just really great stats on the year so far. Um, But we'll see how he performs in Yankee Stadium. You know, I think with those Red Sox guys, they kind of have to get their debut in in the rivalry series. And then they kind of get their title as Yankee killer or, you know, kind of an asset to the Yankees. Um, But I'm definitely, I wouldn't say excited. I'm nervous to see Devers. He's just really one of those Yankee killers, but hopefully um, they can shut him down. But but that's always something we have to be cautiously optimistic about because he is just so good against them. Yeah, like you said, Annabelle, he is a true Yankee killer. He's been killing the Yankees ever since he came up. So I personally, obviously I'm a Yankee fan, but I'm very excited to see Yoshida play. I wasn't too high on that signing, to be honest, in the beginning. And then I watched him play in the World Baseball Classic, and I was like, whoa, this guy can hit. This guy can play. And he's really, really looked great in that Red Sox lineup. So I'm, I'm very excited to see Masataka Yoshida play at Yankee Stadium for the first time. And this is a big, um, big series, not only because it's the first time, but soon after they will play each other again in Fenway. So a little um, – very quick turnover in terms of, you know, scheduling. And this could mean a lot for where these two teams stand in the next week and a half. So got to keep an eye on that, but that's where we're going to wrap our Yankees talk. Let's, let's switch barrels. Let's go over to Queens. Let's talk about the Mets. They played the Toronto Blue Jays over last weekend and they were swept pretty badly. And since being swept, they've lost five in a row. They lost two of three to the Atlanta Braves. They have a 7:20 PM start tonight. In Atlanta, but five in a row swept by the Blue Jays, 30 and 32. They've been playing 500 ball all year long. And it just anything that they do, it just doesn't look great 
whatsoever. Pete Alonso chirps in the dugout after he hits a home run. They go up 4-1. They lose the game 6-4. Nothing is going right for the Mets. And, you know, I saw an interview with Justin Verlander. And he's saying, you know, if you're playing 500 ball with this kind of team, you know, you're you're doing all right. But where does that where does that 500 ball mentality die? Because we're almost halfway through June and they haven't built any ground at all. This team had a roster capable of winning 100 games in my eyes. And they're looking like the 2021 Yankees where they're kind of going to be 500 for the entire first half. Verlander's been bad scherzer has been bad carrasco quintana hasn't even pitched senga has been probably their best starter and he's been very average especially as of late so with the mets in my eyes the, they needed a bat they needed a bat in the offseason and they most definitely and very desperately need a bat at this deadline if they want to make a push in the postseason right now but guys let me let me hear where you guys stand on the mets 62 games into this season. Embarrassingly average, as as you suggested. That's a great average way a to way, put that. Yeah, and, and average in a way that they sh- really shouldn't be at if you look strictly at their personnel. Now, you move over to the stats page, then you realize why they're so average. I would be disappointed as a Mets fan. Would I be cautiously optimistic that they'll turn it around? That depends if you're an optimist or pessimist, of course. But I, I think it's I think it's possible. I mean, I, I think it's possible that they, they can catch the Marlins. I, they will not catch the Braves. But I think they po- they very, very probably can finish second in the NLEs. Yeah, I agree. I think it is kind of embarrassing if I was a Mets fan right now. I would be very angry. I think it's hard because you know, like Caleb said, strictly looking at their roster and their personnel, they should be well above 500. Um, And, you know, they have such a high payroll. They have Steve Cohen in the front office who is willing to pay. And I think for that reason, you, you should be optimistic as a Mets fan, because I think they're going to be willing to make those big trades where you can possibly add a big bat. But Right now, they're really being kept afloat by Pete Alonso, who um, is leading leading the league in home runs right now. Um, Lindor's in a slump, but, you know, I'm optimistic that he'll get out of it. You know, it's Francisco Lindor. Um, but really, the five through nine guys are just absolutely abysmal for the Mets. You know, Bati, Canna, Vogelback, they really need to step it up because, you know, like I said, Pete Alonso can't do it alone. He can't can't keep the ship afloat by himself. Um, and you know, I hope that they can go out and get that big bat, but you never know what can happen at the trade deadline. Um, but I think there's a lot of good prospects that can be expendable. And like I said, with Cohen, he's willing to make that big trade. Um, but right now I think it's they're in a tough spot. And also worth mentioning is that Pete Alonso got drilled in the wrist last night against the Braves. Um, oh. So right now I believe he's considered day to day, but his x-rays were negative. So. Wow. I didn't, I didn't see that at all. That is he's day to day. So he'll probably miss today. If that's the case, that's a big blow to that lineup. Hopefully that doesn't sense uh, smell a sweep 
for the Mets of the Brave or the Braves of the Mets. Um, for me, this team needed a bat in the offseason. They completely avoided that and they spent like a hundred and thirty million dollars on two starting pitchers, one who's 30 and has a lot of innings from international league play, one who's 40, who had Tommy John surgery when he was 38. He won the Cy Young when he was 39 in the American League, but he has shown signs of slowing down, and that's Justin Verlander. I think the pitch clock has seriously gotten to Max Scherzer. The uh, the rotation is just it's you know it it has the it has the talent to pick it back up. So I would emphasize um, offense more than pitching. I heard a lot of a lot of stuff about Shane Bieber. You know we we hear that the Guardians ace is you know he's on the trading block. Um, that's what the Guardians do. He, they get them at a high uh, – they can trade them high, get something back for them, and then they'll develop whatever they get in that package. That's how the Guardians roll, and they're very good at that. But I just don't see that as the answer for the Mets. You're going to clog up that rotation, and you're still going to be very, very bleak on offense. There's a lot of question marks there. There's a lot of dependency on the young guys, Francisco Alvarez, Brett Beatty, Mark Vientos. Uh, I, there's just way too much dependency on these young guys that – but that that is why they need another bat. They need protection for Pete Alonso because what they have rolling right now is just not getting it done. And a big part of why they're not getting it done as well, you know, actually not as big as the offense, but definitely something that needs to be addressed not as heavily is the bullpen. They have this closer by committee kind of system. It was Adam Adovino, Drew Smith, David Robertson. David Robertson has kind of taken over as the main closer there. Which is fine. He was a great closer with the Yankees. He put up some numbers with the White Sox as well. And then he came back to the Yankees and he did really well again. But he is not that closer in my eyes. He, he's not. They need a ninth inning guy. Their ninth inning guy is not going to be back this year. He, he thinks that he is. I really don't see that happening with his status. I think he should take his $20 million per year and sit this year out and then get as healthy as you can next year, and that's Edwin Diaz. Their big closer is out. They need somebody if they want to make a push. I was hearing today, Aroldis Chapman, he is on the trading block. That was kind of uh, assumed. Went to the Royals for a $3 million contract for one year. That's kind of where Chapman's at right now. So you, um, where he's at is I go for one year, maybe I'll get traded to a contender kind of thing. Could be uh, The Mets could be a landing spot. They really desperately need a closer. Uh, three and seven in their last 10. They've lost five straight, but they are playing the Pittsburgh Pirates this weekend. The Pirates, fun story in April. They have definitely come back down to earth, but a series the Mets could take advantage of and try to get themselves back on track. So now I want to head out west. Let's start in the American League West. The Texas Rangers have the best offense in all of baseball. They have a top three pitching staff in all of baseball. Completely took me by surprise. I had this team at 500 going into the year. But let's start with the big news before we highlight the big contributors. Jacob deGrom, Tommy John surgery. He is done for the year. Most likely a lot of next year. We're not going to um, – yeah, most likely all of next year for probably until I'd say August. He won't be coming back until he's 36 years old. Now, that makes that five-year, $185 million contract look very, oh, very not good for the Texas Rangers. So 
I'll start with you, Caleb. That's ace. Now the ace of the Texas Rangers, but we won't see him once again for an extended period of time. Yeah, it is definitely concerning on the defensive front for the Rangers. The best part is, is that there's, you know, the other half of the game in their offense has been doing pretty darn well. And, you know, guys like Simeon are stepping up. And it's been absolutely huge in, in ways that we weren't really expecting. And I also think that, I mean, with John Gray's 12 strikeout performance, that's been massive too. And, you you know, you get Avaldi. Avaldi's been that guy. And it pains me oh, to see. Oh, he's been great. He might be the American League Cy Young right now. Yeah, I, I think I think that's fair. I mean, I think I mean I don't want to I don't want to I, I don't want it to be Garrett Cole. I don't, do, do I want it to be an extra side or do I want it to be Garrett Cole? I'm not sure. Right? Yeah, um, Cole's up there, but Evaldi, man, he's been lights out. Yeah, Evaldi's been absolutely uh, absolutely great. I, mean, I don't know what it was, but it was like the most. Yeah, he, he was like on 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 track for the record for like the most nine inning, like the most like the highest average. Um, was it K per nine? It wasn't keep pronounced. It was like innings completed or something. Oh, really? Yeah. In, in either in Rangers, it was it wasn't MLB. It was for for the Rangers. Rangers franchise record. Yeah. Um. And he's not a young guy, so that's pretty impressive. So I think the Rangers. Yeah, I mean, I. Go ahead, Caleb. Sorry. No, no, you're, no. I'm done. The I think the Rangers will be fine. Uh- yeah, I mean, I think that because of Valdi is kind of stepping up, he's looked so good, like you guys said. Right now, he looks like the AL Cy Young. Um, I believe now, I looked, the Astros are now a slight favorite to win the AL West. Um, and that does show how huge of a piece DeGrom is for them. I think the sad thing with DeGrom, too, is just to see a general generational talent like him go down in this way. Um, the interview with him where he was tearing up, that, that was, was super hard to watch. Super hard that to watch. Sad. Yeah. Um, and you also have Jake Odorizzi out for the season uh, for the Rangers. So I think you might want to get a guy at the deadline to kind of fill those spots. Um, especially the spot Oda Rizzi had as kind of a long man spot starter. But I think it's only if you have the opportunity, you take advantage of it. I don't think it's necessarily a dire need because you can kind of fall back on Evaldi. Um, And, you know, Caleb, as you touched on, I think you can, again, kind of fall back on how good this offense is. And, you know, they're not going to be playing 600 baseball you know, all season like they have been, but they're not going to completely fall apart. You can count on them playing 500 baseball for the rest of the season at this point. So I think that it's it's definitely a blow to them, but, you know, kind of like we said with Judge, it's like a 6-7. I, I think they can still sustain um, success. Yeah, you know, they haven't had DeGrom for a while too. He got hurt actually against the Yankees and they've been they've been pretty they've been very good without him. Um but to your point Annabelle, yes, they really need a starter. They could be one of the teams in on Shane Bieber. 
and because they're going to need an ace and they're going to need an ace for a little bit with the ground uh, going down for a long time. So I think the Rangers are definitely going to be very active. They're Major League Baseball's top spender. You can say all you want about the Mets, but the Rangers have poured in a lot of money to this team. A lot of money, six hundred million or five, almost five hundred million dollars for their middle infield. So you know, and then they almost give near two hundred million to Jacob Degrom. So we're reaching, you know, six hundred, seven hundred million on three different players in one. You're not going to have for about a year and a half. So the Jacob Rizzi being out too. Um, I like that you pointed that out as well, Annabelle. Not this all-star starter, but definitely a guy that was very capable of eating innings so they're gonna have to find that guy but they they've been um doing a good job of piecing it together i do think houston still wins this division houston is just this they are the powerhouse right now say all you want about the cheating scandals but this team wins this team wins for a reason because they know how to do it and they know how to do it very well i think they will end up passing the uh rangers in standing but it's going to be a fun race. There's there's a few teams in it. I think Seattle still finds their way. You know, the Angels are the Angels. They uh, they will you know, they'll probably just be floating like they usually do. So this is this looks like a three team race now instead of a two team race that it's been for the last couple of years. So Caleb, you talked about Marcus Simeon. They also have Adolis Garcia and Corey Seager, all guys that have been playing exceptionally well. Seager he's missed about thirty games. He was hurt earlier on, but still came back and he's doing great. He had a mammoth home run the other day, too. He has a, one of the most beautiful swings I think I've seen. But Adolis Garcia, I, I voted him and Semyon for my all-star team. They have been they've been really good. Adolis Garcia has looked like the Adolis Garcia from a few years ago, and that's a great thing to see for the Texas Rangers. But Marcus Semyon, after that horrific first year with the Rangers, he looks like he's back into his form. Not quite that Toronto year that he had in 2021, but more of those years that he had with Oakland, 299, 367 with a 496 slugging percentage, but nine home runs and 50 RBIs. So the power numbers have been down for a little bit, but nine home runs, you know, he's on pace for at least 20 something. 50 RBIs, though, in the middle of June is quite nuts. He's on a 25 game hit streak. And as soon as Major League Baseball starts pointing it out, he loses that hit streak last night against the Cardinals. But the Rangers, they have looked fantastic and one more guy that i i voted for for the all-star team as well and maybe the american league rookie of the year right now that's josh young their their third baseman he has looked fantastic as well so you know the rangers they got a lot of offense like i said before they're the number one offense in baseball they're almost averaging seven runs per game that is absurd they lead the american league you know you base you base that ranking off the average is kind of the standard or OPS, and the Rangers basically lead in almost every offensive category in the American League. So they're definitely a team to keep an eye out on because that offense doesn't, doesn't look like it's slowing down. But as you said too, Annabelle, that pitching, they need to go out and get a starter at that deadline, and maybe they will give the Astros a run for their money and a run at the American League West title. But let's shift, and let's before we wrap up, we got to talk NL West. There's a lot of there's a lot going on out there. The Dodgers, they really uh, that series against the Yankees. It was a, it was a fun series, but the Dodgers do not look like this uh, dominant force of old. The Arizona Diamondbacks, in my eyes, a year ahead of schedule, I wouldn't have had them being as good as they are this year. Definitely had them 
over 500 and possibly squeaking in to a wild card spot. But I, I thought they were about a year or so away from really trying to take over for the Dodgers. But it looks like they are firing on all cylinders. They also have a top five offense in baseball. Zach Gallen, Merrill Kelly, awesome at the top of the rotation. However, other than that, not too uh, great on the pitching side. They're 19th in Major League Baseball for ERA. But Corbin Carroll, National League Rookie of the Year so far in my eyes. Guys, how how do we feel about the Arizona Diamondbacks in uh, through 62 games so far this year? I think they look great. I, I, I think they will not necessarily come back to earth, not that they're way, way, way up in space necessarily, but I think this will be sort of, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to do, I think they're going to end up being certainly lower than five minutes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they look great. I, I think it, it, they're similar to the Rangers in a way where they have kind of this offensive lineup that you would probably expect to, to be maybe decent offensively, but they've been really great and they've been really surprising. So I think they'll, I don't think they'll end up winning the division. I, I, I do still think it'll be the Dodgers, um, but they're not going to be, they're not going to be below the giants. I think they'll, they'll be a solid second, second uh, placed NOS team and, and make the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. I think realistically their offense is not going to stay at the same rate that it is. Um, I think they can definitely get a wild card spot. Um, and I do think they can compete with the Dodgers, but I think the key there, if they really do want to compete with the Dodgers, is to create some more pitching depth. Um, like you said, Will, those those top two guys, Zach Gallen and um Merrill, Merrill Kelly, they're kind of holding on that rotation for them but the rest of the guys really aren't stepping up to the plate so I think you kind of have to create some more depth um their GM Mike Hazen talked about wanting to do so on a podcast with John Heyman and Joel Sherman so that's definitely a good sign that they're gonna pursue um some depth there but they really look great on offense I think the key is to is to be well-rounded um and hopefully they can kind of, if they don't completely fall off the wagon with offense, they can, you know, at least stay at the same rate or or just a little bit below. But right now they look really good. They have 18 home runs with runners in scoring position. They're strong in stealing bases. Um, and like you said, Corbin Carroll looks like the NL rookie of the year right now. Um He's obviously great batting, but he has this incredible speed on the base base paths. So just some really, really great younger guys coming out of the Diamondbacks. I think they're definitely a very fun team, and I want to see them pursue that pitching depth and hopefully become a little bit more well-rounded so they can compete with the Dodgers. And hopefully we'll get a new guy out of the NL, NL West. I'm kind of tired of the Dodgers constantly taking the crown. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to have to lean with Caleb there, though. I think the Dodgers will take the crown, but the Diamondbacks are not too far behind them. Uh, yes, and as you pointed out, too, Annabelle, Mike Hazen and the Arizona Diamondbacks front office has done an incredible job. And as I said before, I think they're ahead of schedule. I really do. They are um, – I think they could squeeze in as a wild card team, and that is, um, you know – 
a look, definitely ahead of schedule for where their rebuild would be at. They have a, a solid farm system, and that farm system is getting called up. You look at Gabriel Moreno, and you look at Corbin Carroll, just to name two guys. You know, they get Moreno for Dalton Varshow, so he didn't necessarily come up with the Diamondbacks, but he was a he's very young and he's a solid catcher, a guy that I could see as a, a top three, a t- top five definitely, but possibly a top three backstop in all of baseball when he is in full force. And Corbin Carroll looks to be one of the next great outfielders that we see coming out of this next generation of ball players. But let me ask you guys before we talk about another NLS team and before we wrap our show, and, and the NLS team that uh, is really, really banged up and struggling right now. But before we get to them, the Arizona Diamondbacks, are they buyers or sellers at the trade deadline? I'm leaning buyers. I don't think I like that. I, I don't think it's gonna make or break either way, necessarily. Um, because they I mean they don't have, I mean, they they have, I think, very talented players, if you look at you know Walker Rivera, but they're not that lucrative at it. Like I don't think you can. I don't think you can fetch very much money for 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 these guys. They're a team. I think the, the, what's interesting about the Arizona Diamondbacks, and I think one of the reasons they're doing so well, is that they're a team of nine good bats. Some bats are better than others, but there's not a. I don't think there's a huge, 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 majorly lucrative star that's going to bring in. That a hundred million, you know, three three year, hundred million dollar contract or something. You know, that's that's just not, I, I think, how how this this team operates financially. So definitely buyers. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with a slight buyer as well. Um, like I said, Hazen was talking about wanting to create depth, so I think he's definitely interested. Um, you know, they have so many younger players that. They can potentially get a piece for, but like Caleb said, you know, I don't know how lucrative that is. Um, But at the same time, I don't think there's a huge sense of urgency here. Like you said, Will, they're kind of, you know, ahead of where they expect it to be. So I don't think they're really in the position where there's a sense of urgency that they need to go out and get that guy Right now, they can kind of develop those young pieces they have. And if they happen to get that guy, then it can be an asset to them. But right now, I don't think it's something they absolutely need to do. But with with their offense being so good and their pitching not really meeting the same same expectation as their offense, I think they probably are going to want to go get some pieces, but um, I think they're kind of going to be one of those quiet trade deadline guys. I don't think it's going to be a anything super flashy, but I am going to lean buyers for them. I'm of the exact same mindset as you, Annabelle. I think that this team, as, a, as we keep mentioning, they're overachieving right now and definitely as the big term for this team right now ahead of schedule. I see them as buyers as well, but I see them as a very quiet, like you said, Annabelle, and low-key buyer. There's no need to go crazy right now. You're playing way ahead of where you should ex- should have expected to be. So don't go crazy. You don't, you know, the Dodgers are still king out there. So you don't want to overshoot. If you overshoot, you could mess up what you have going for you. Because you know how the Dodgers are. They're going to have that massive payroll. Mookie Betts is going to be there for another 500 years, you know. So, like, they're going to, you know, the Dodgers are going to be there. 
So you want to go, you want to go like pace by pace, day by day. You know, there's no need to go crazy just yet, but definitely buy a little bit. You can expand, you can make, you could set yourself up for a solid push for this year. But also, as as you were talking about Annabelle, widen yourself, make yourself deeper in this deadline ahead of next season. So this deadline for the Diamondbacks is it's a very it's a key one in this rebuild process not only can it help them compete more this year down the stretch but it can also broaden their horizons for 2024 and obviously we're not even halfway through 2023 yet but if you're in a situation like the Arizona Diamondbacks looking at that next year is very very important so the last thing I want to talk about guys the San Diego Padres they're playing well under 500 baseball right now a bottom five offense with the likes of Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis, Juan Soto, just to name the big three. Xander Bogarts as well. There you go. That's one of your boys over there, Caleb. He is day-to-day with the wrist injury. Machado, he came back from the IL on the the, the second. In, in, and in that first series against the Chicago Cubs, he went one for 11. And Tatis... Looks solid offensively, and he's looked pretty good in his first full season as the right fielder. But overall, this team has just been just, I would say, awful. I would say awful for where they should be right now. This team should be, in my opinion, right behind the Dodgers, if not ahead of them. And they are just not doing that. We talked earlier about the Mets being embarrassingly mediocre. The Padres are embarrassingly awful. There's no reason they should be in this spot. When you have guys like Manny Machado batting 235, their worst offensive performance as, as a season in their career by a pretty wide margin, Tatis doing okay. I mean, 257 on the season for a guy like Fernando Tatis Jr., I don't think is good. I don't think that's that's fine. That's a, Obviously, that's a decent batting average if you're an average guy. But if you're a Tatis Jr. kind of guy, I don't think that's acceptable. And if he's kind of your 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 not con not not necessarily your pro, but your 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 not terrible situation that's happening, that's just not good. And the the Padres have really really been disappointing offensively. And I think they could maybe turn it around. They they definitely have the on paper they can turn it around because you know those guys. At the end of the day, they do have the talent, but do they have do they have the mentality now with the with the struggles that they've had for you know the first third of the season? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with Caleb. I think that they have a roster that could turn things around. You have these huge bats. You have Tatis. You have Machado, but they have to step up to the plate. Machado went one. One in 11 in the series with the Cubs when he came back. So you just don't want to see that. Um, But funny thing right now with the Padres is Gary Sanchez is kind of their guy. Old friend Gary Sanchez. Um, (laughs) Fourth home run um, in nine games with San Diego. He went deep for them again last night. And as a Yankees fan, I'm it's it's fun to see Gary kind of thrive somewhere else because at the end of his tenure with the Yankees, he was just kind of a black cloud. But it's good to see him kind of thrive somewhere else. Can he sustain it? I don't know. But it is fun to see him, 
you know, really thrive right now. Um, hopefully when Xander comes back, they can, you know, they'll have some more guys, they'll have some more pieces, but I think there's really no excuse for them to be a bottom five offense in baseball. When you look at this team on paper, it should be the kind of team where if one guy doesn't get that big hit, you have total confidence in the next guy just on paper. So um, like Caleb said, I think they are embarrassingly awful, um, but they do have the tools to turn it around. Do they have the attitude to maybe not, but, just very, very disappointing. You know, I think Tatis has actually been pretty pretty good offensively, in my opinion. You know, he missed part of the season already, and he's 11 home runs and almost 30 RBIs. He is kind of, you know, he's been better than Soto in some regards, and Soto's played more games than him. So, you know, this offense has been unacceptable. It needs to be better. Machado, especially after that, Top five finish in MVP last year. He's batting like 212. Unacceptable. He's he is the leader of that team offensively, defensively in the clubhouse. And he needs to turn it around. I, I think this the turnaround of the season starts with Manny Machado. And I think he knows that too. So a lot to see, a lot to look for with the San Diego Padres. On a defense, defensively for pitching hasn't been great either. Ah, you know, definitely a team that has so had so much fire around them. And one thing that makes me nervous, too, they unloaded their assets. I mean, they were loaded in that farm system and they just gave it all away for Juan Soto, which, you know, at the time, great, great deal. Still, I, mean, I would take Juan Soto in any lineup, no matter what he's doing. But. You have to you have to look at the other side of the coin here in that trade with the Nationals. Look at C.J. Abrams and look at Mackenzie Gore, the two big pieces. They I know they got more pieces, but I think it was Robert Hassel or was it I, I, or Hunter? No, uh, James James Hunter. I, I don't remember his name, but they got a big out, outfield prospect that has not made the majors yet for the Nationals. But the two that are in the major leagues right now, Mackenzie Gore and C.J. Abrams, Gore are doing a lot a lot better than. Abrams, but Abrams, still only 22 years old, has tremendous upside potential, great athleticism, great bat-to-ball skills. Uh, Mackenzie Gore looks like an ace for the future in my eyes. So the Padres unloaded to get Juan Soto, and as you should, but at what price? They paid a pretty steep one, and the Nationals are reaping the benefits of that. So the Padres, lots, lots to look at, and their window, it seems – and gets increasingly but very slightly smaller each year because they can't compete with the Dodgers. They can't compete in the division sometimes. Like right now, they can't hold their own in the division. They're fourth place in this division right now. They're behind the Giants. They're behind the Diamondbacks, and they're behind the Dodgers. This team should have been nowhere near that mark, especially at this point in the season. But, hey, what are you going to do? The National League West has been pretty fun to watch so far but that's going to do it for this edition of nosebleeds for caleb stein annabelle watson our producer today lauren mondaruli i'm will talent and nosebleeds is a production of wfuv sports mm-hmm.